I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, along with Robert Zuber, and his latest work is called The Case for Nukes. Robert, let's wrap up about Chernobyl, jump over to Fukushima, then talk about the positive aspects here at home. So Chernobyl is just rendered useless for 20,000 years. Uh, well, no, Chernobyl reactor was destroyed. But if you want to know, uh, once again, there's frankly no evidence of, of much harm from the fallout from Chernobyl. There may have been some, but very little. In fact, the area around Chernobyl right now, because it was evacuated by people, is now one of the richest wildlife reserves in Europe uh, because the animals love the fact that the people have moved out, and they're doing just fine. It, it's now inhabited by giant bison, wolves, all sorts of animals that people thought were extinct in the area have gone and, and recolonized it. The radioactivity hasn't destroyed the area? Nope. That's interesting. All right, 2011, Fukushima. What about that situation? Well, Fukushima is uh, very interesting. And, and by the way, after Fukushima, I want to talk about the, the... There's only three nuclear accidents of consequence. So Fukushima, Chernobyl, and Three Mile Line. We'll get to that one in a minute. Okay, but Fukushima, of course... An entire city was destroyed by an earthquake and a tidal wave, and 28,000 people were killed by drowning or falling buildings and things of this kind. Not, and three reactors were destroyed, okay? But not a single person received a dangerous radiological dose. Not a single person outside the plant gate got any radiological dose of any significance whatsoever. So if you want evidence for nuclear safety, Fukushima is it. If you can have a natural disaster that destroys the whole city and three nuclear power plants and no one is harmed by radiation. I mean, it doesn't get much safer than that. If that had been an oil refinery, it would have caused fires all over the place, or, and, and it would have been giant smoke clouds. I mean, you name it. If that had been a chemical plant, there's all sorts of things that could have been that would have caused all sorts of harm. But nuclear power plants, no. Is there something to be said about building power plants by earthquake faults? Uh, yeah, you shouldn't build power plants by earthquake faults. 
Um, but I, I do want to talk about actually uh, what in certain ways is the most famous nuclear accident, which is the one that happened in our country at Three Mile Island in uh, Pennsylvania. 1979, right? Right. Now, here's the thing. Okay. As I mentioned, it's, it's a scientific fact, and it cannot be contested, that a pressurized water reactor cannot have a, 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 a runaway chain reaction. And the people like Ralph Nader used to say they could, they're just lying. But the more educated environmentalists would acknowledge that this is so. However, they'd say, but there's a different danger, which is that the nuclear power plant accumulates radioactive waste in its fuel elements. And even though you can turn off the nuclear reaction in a millisecond by dropping in the control rods, or if the water is removed, the chain reaction shuts down, okay, what will happen inside of a millisecond is the power level of the reactor will drop from 100%, not to zero, but to 7%, because the decay products are still producing that much heat. Now, it'll then go down in a few hours to 1%, but for a few hours, it'll be given off substantial heat, and if the coolant isn't there, the fuel is going to melt. You'll have a meltdown, and they said it will not only melt the fuel, the fuel will melt its way through the 8-inch thick steel pressure vessel that contains the reactor, and then it will melt through the containment building 8 feet thick, and then down through the earth to the center of the earth, and then somewhat um, uh, unscientifically, it would then proceed up to the other side of the earth to China, and this was called the China Syndrome. No. And coincidentally, there was a movie of that title about such an accident that occurred the very same month as the Three Mile Island accident. Now, what happened to Three Mile Island was there's an operator error, and they drained the coolant out of the reactor. And because the coolant was out of the reactor, the fission reaction shut down. But yes, there was decay heat. So the fuel elements did melt, but they did not melt through the pressure vessel and the containment building and through the earth and all the way to China. They didn't even melt all the way through the pressure vessel. They melted their way about one inch into the eight inch thick steel and then they stopped. And that was the end of it. And there was um, a small amount of radioiodine that uh, had to be vented. Um, that exposed the people in the area to the same radiation dose they would have gotten if they had spent the weekend in Colorado because the background radiation here is higher than Pennsylvania. That's how small it is. Three Mile Island is the only mega disaster in human history in which no one was hurt. Okay, so it's a purely a propaganda thing. And this whole thing is discussed in depth in the book, The Case for Nukes. Now, back home, let's talk about the power of nuke power. Do you believe well, it's clean? It's clean. Okay, and well, let's start at the beginning here. What's the biggest problem that we have on this planet today? I say it is poverty. You know, we have poverty here in America, but the average American income is $50,000 a year. The average income on planet Earth is $10,000 a year. Okay. Big so, difference. Big difference. Big difference. And get a load of this. Half of the earth is below average. So the average is 10,000 and there are people making 5,000 and 2,000. Okay. And nothing. 
Okay, and nothing, but then they don't stay alive very long. But but this is a huge problem that affects billions of people. Billions of people suffer from malnutrition, and their bodies are weak and subject to disease for their entire lives. Or their children have to go to work, and so they can't get any education, and they have no future. And you could go on and on about this, but this is what our world is actually like today, okay? This is the problem. Well... If, if you, you, there's a direct proportionality between energy use and living standard because everything that you use and everything that is made for you and everything that is transported to you to use, it all involves energy. And if we're to raise the whole world to the current American standard of living, and once again, we still have poverty here, but just to get to that level, we'll have to increase human energy consumption five times. Five times, and that doesn't even take into account population growth, so maybe ten times. Okay, now, so these people say, well, we want to replace fossil fuels because of the carbon emissions. They're not even addressing the right problem because, first of all, you can't replace fossil fuels with windmills even at the current level of energy consumption, let alone replace them and increase our energy production five times over. But you can with nuclear energy because nuclear energy represents an energy resource as vastly greater than fossil fuels as fossil fuels are compared to horses and sailing ships, okay? The fossil fuels revolutionized the world. And fossil fuels, by the way, did a lot to save the environment. You know who saved the whales? Rockefeller, okay? Because the whales were being hunted for their oil, but when we got petroleum oil, then they didn't have to go after the whales anymore, and the whales were saved. And and there's a lesson there, because we were going after a resource that plays a much smaller role in the biosphere than the, the whales do, or forests, cutting down forests, and going drilling for oil has much lower oil, uh, environmental impact than cutting down forests. Okay, well, nuclear power is even more remote from the resources that are used by the biosphere. There are no animals or plants that make use of nuclear power, unlike the fact that they make use of trees and so forth. So in other words, if you want to preserve the natural, you've got to create the artificial. And that's what nuclear does. And just to give you an idea of this, the amount of any block of granite, like buildings are made of or mountains are made of, okay, contains two parts per million uranium and eight parts per million thorium. And if you took the energy in that uranium and thorium in a, a pound of granite, it has the same energy as 100 pounds of oil. Okay, and if we go to fusion power, where we're using the deuterium in water, okay, one gallon of water equals 350 gallons of gasoline. That's how much energy we're talking about. We're, we're, we're talking about releasing energy that could power humanity at a thousand times its current energy level for a billion years. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Robert, there was a 1975 book by John Fuller called We Almost Lost Detroit. I was living in Detroit then at that time. That talked about the Fermi One nuke power plant in Monroe, Michigan, which was a southern suburb of Detroit. That happened in 1966, another meltdown. That was a huge story then. Yeah, that's also discussed in the book, The Case for Nukes. We yes. almost lose Detroit. You, you've got it all. <laughs> in fact, that, that reactor, which was damaged in a partial meltdown, was subsequently returned, uh, repaired and operated through the 80s. Uh, the, 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 um, so, once again, this is panic literature. Okay? Now, look, what's the real problem that we face? It's okay? political, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I, I, I'm telling you, there is a real problem that we face. Okay? And... The, the the thing that we can't use carbon fuels is a variant, actually, of the previous argument that the environmentalists had, which was that we we're going to run out of farm fuels. But back in the early 70s, late 60s, they were putting out all these books saying we're going to run out of everything, and that's why we have to stop economic growth, okay? And then they switched it around and say now the problem is that we're not going to run out of fossil fuels, and that's why we have to stop economic growth. <laughs> okay, but either way, <clears throat> what they're trying to do is, is stop economic growth, and stopping economic growth is aborting the future. Stopping economic growth is sentencing billions of people for the rest of human history to have to live in poverty. That that's what it is. And so, look, you know, and they they, they talk about how there's too many people. We got to get rid of people. Well. We're not in danger because there's too many people. We're in danger from people who think there are too many people. Okay? And, you know, 
the the uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I was originally a nuclear engineer, yeah. and uh, in the 80s, I, I would debate people from the Sierra Club, and they would talk about, we have to stop economic growth because of all the pollution, and, and, and we're going to run out of fuel. And I said, well, nuclear power creates no pollution and will never run out. And they would say, we hate that. And I, I, I couldn't get that. Why do they hate nuclear power when it... It solves all the problems they're talking about. And then I realized that's exactly why they hate nuclear power. They hate nuclear power because it would solve a problem they need to have. Okay, And that's all discussed in the case for nukes as well. It talks about where these people are getting their money. It talks about their ideological motivations um, and, uh, and, and, and the problem that they, they create for the rest of us uh, by really... They're, they're using these purported problems of resource scarcity and pollution for an agenda, which is to basically say that uh, there isn't enough to go around, so human numbers, activities, and liberties must be severely constrained. Okay, And that's why they hate nuclear power, because it takes away their fundamental premise. It says that resources are unlimited, so human numbers, activities, and liberties do not need to be constrained. And quite the contrary, it is, why do we have nuclear power? We have nuclear power because of freedom. We have nuclear... It was America that invented nuclear power through its scientific creativity and inventiveness, which is a product of freedom. Freedom creates resources. They say, in order to live... Without resources, we must curtail freedom. I say, and what nuclear power says, is in order to create resources, we must have freedom. If you had your way, how many nuke power plants would we have in the country? Well, uh, to meet our current, if we wanted to, uh, well, look, France is 75% nuclear, 10% hydroelectric, 15% fossil fuel. Okay, if we had continued building nuclear power plants at the rate we were building them in the early 70s, we would be like that today. And instead of having 100 nuclear power plants, we'd probably have around 400. Okay, and that would do the job. That would pretty much we would be uh, um, essentially uh, decarbonize the electric grid. And the only major country, by the way, to decarbonize their electric grid is France. Okay, Germany, which is run by environmentalists, and they say, oh, we're so green, we love our forests, so we hate nuclear power. Germany produces five times the carbon emissions as France per unit electricity produced. And it's even worse than that because a lot of their carbon emissions they're getting from burning down forests. They say, it's so natural, we're getting our electricity from natural wood. Well, that's called killing trees and killing the animals that live in the trees. You're not a friend of nature if you get your electricity by burning down trees. You're a friend of nature if you get your electricity by splitting atoms. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, that's what I say is, you know, save a tree, split an atom. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.